0: Father's lightsaber.
1: What's lightsabers precious?
0: Hello, and willkommen auf What's lightsabers precious? You've
1: already done German, haven't you?
0: Ah, uh, did
1: I? I think you did, yeah
0: what's another language i just, just english bienvenue uh what's lightsabers precious
1: okay let's try from the top <laughs> <laughs>
0: hello and welcome to what's lightsabers precious
1: lord of the rings and star wars encyclopedia podcast for you waste time of fictional wikis i'm ryan and
0: i'm joanna do you have any star wars updates in the world of star wars
1: yeah i have some updates in the world of star wars they are apparently gonna kind of cool their heels on the on the spinoff movies for a little bit Oh, no. Han Solo, a solo Star Wars story starring Han Solo, has not made back its $350 million budget yet.
0: Oh, dear. It's been out for a
1: month, even internationally.
0: Oh, dear. And so
1: they're still going to move forward with Boba Fett and possibly Obi-Wan, but they're apparently putting all the resources into Episode Nine, and waiting to see how that shakes out. I
0: just feel like that's kind of crazy, because didn't Rogue One make, like, a ton of money? It
1: did, but they're just kind of getting cold feet, because if the movie about the most famous Star Wars character doesn't make back its enormous budget, then what's a Boba Fett movie gonna do? They're kind of in a problem of their own making here, because they're the ones who decided for reshoots and recasting, like... It was more expensive than Episode Eight. To
0: yeah, me. and, and there was, it was not... all kinds of, like, kind of bad press that came along with that.
1: Right, and they released it on Memorial Day weekend. There also is the idea that maybe there's a bit of Star Wars oversaturation and that we're getting a Star Wars movie every year now. If they'd wait until December, perhaps, and maybe it maybe would have done better. I mean, if you think about it, we just had The Last Jedi in, what, last winter? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was last winter.
1: So, yeah. like, less than six months later... People aren't really clamoring for more Star Wars. We just had that one, so they're putting the money and focus onto Episode Nine, Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, and the Game of Thrones guys' new trilogy. They're making as well.
0: Well, we'll see how that shakes out. I don't have any Lord
1: of the Rings news,
0: although I want to ask how you feel about this book.
1: Okay, listeners, it's a this is an audio podcast. It's so good to okay. She's tapping on the book. It's,
0: this is I'm doing the ASMR thing. This is a very good book for ASMR tapping. Is that a thing? Oh my god, yes. So you didn't the, know that? Yeah, no. like all those ASMR videos, like people tapping on stuff.
1: I'm not a freak like you, I don't watch ASMR. This book is The History of Middle-Earth, Volume 6, Christopher Tolkien's Return of the Shadow, History of the Lord of the Rings, Part 1. Okay, so I was it's, at it's Volume 6, I know. but also Part 1. It's
0: Volume 6 of The History of Middle-Earth, but it's, but it's only the first volume that tackles Lord of the Rings, because Lord oh. of the Rings comes... And there's like... 10-ish volumes of this and Lord of the Rings comes in the middle.
1: It's got a nice picture of a hobbit hole on the cover. Um,
0: but you see that the sky is well, kind of shadowy. Well, hang on though.
1: It says, History of Middle-Earth, Volume 6, Christopher Tolkien, Return of the Shadow, The History of Lord of the Rings, Part 1, J.R.R. Tolkien...
0: Well... Who wrote this book? Let me explain it to you, Ryan. You see, Christopher Tolkien compiled it and provided oh. commentary and background. This is my daddy a good, book. Yes, but a good deal of the daddy book is, in fact, daddy's writings. Oh, I see. This contains a lot of... Excerpts from previous manuscripts of Lord of the Rings that Tolkien put together before he wrote the final one. I think I've told you before that it took him like years and years and years to put out the complete product. Right. The Hobbit came out in the thirties and Lord of the Rings wasn't released until the fifties, so. Gotcha. Wow, long long process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very long process, and there's a lot of weird twists and turns he took along the way because he didn't really know what kind of book he was writing it started out as a sequel to the hobbit and then it became obviously something quite different okay so this is where we get such interesting things as trotter the hobbit who is so called because he walks around in wooden clogs trotter yeah we also get uh characters that you may not have heard of such as bingo and marmaduke
1: what so I giant been, dog from the comic strip? Yeah,
0: he was originally in it. Tolkien thought, well, why don't we put like a mischievous great Dane in this, see if we can punch it up a little bit. Uh, we'll just
1: put a, a package of hot dogs on the table and see what happens. Didn't
0: didn't make the final cut. Oh man. Did not make the final cut, sad to say. Poor Marmaduke. But I've been thinking about doing a, a series on this book. Mm, okay. Because I think people might be interested. I don't know. Would you find it interesting? Sure. Yeah. If I went back and told you about some of the things that were in earlier drafts of Lord of the Rings that didn't end up making the cut.
1: That's a great segue for me to talk about early drafts of the Star Wars. Oh. The Journal of the Wills.
0: Oh, that's right. We could do like a paired series. Yes. Isn't it great how we discuss this like on air? This
1: like like a, true professionals. A little peek behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. Just, you know, this is for you folks at home.
1: Yeah. 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 This for, your is for your guys' gratification, so yeah, that's my news. Is that I'm thinking about maybe doing a thing. Less, well, less Lord of the Rings news, and more Joanna's Lord of the Rings podcast news. Yeah, that's
0: more like what's what's Joanna thinking these days? News. That's a good
1: segment. What's Joanna thinking these days? News. <laughs> yeah, I think write in if you want us to, to to make that a regular feature. <laughs> Joanna, what is she thinking these days? News.
0: <laughs> Half the time, I'm thinking about like I want to eat some Twizzlers. Is data a racist? <laughs> um,
1: so this is that segment. Man. Joanna, what's she thinking these days? News. Uh, and now
0: it's over. Now it's over. Until next week.
1: <laughs> oh, good. I can't wait to hear the next Joanna's What She's Thinking These Days news. Yeah.
0: And so, with that aside, Ryan, I want to ask you an important question. Okay. Are you a member of the OLF?
1: OLF? Are you a member of OLF? Good old OLF? Well, I don't know what it is, so I'm going to say no.
0: Well, you don't know what it is. It's
1: the Orc Liberation Front. Oh, gosh. Are you a member? Yes. I'm the founder. Of Orc Liber- Liberation Front. Yeah, because... Don't you, of- Anna, no, no, no. I've heard that orcs... I, listen, I've seen Lord of the Rings. Yes. I know orcs. They pillage. They destroy. They put meat back on the menu, boys. They're vicious monsters who must be destroyed. Smear campaigns. Ryan. What? Are you saying that... History is written by the victors. Is Peter Jackson a a filthy propagandist?
0: No, all I'm saying is that what gets left in the histories and what gets left out can tell you a lot about people's agendas. And orcs are actually the most oppressed and misunderstood race in all of Middle Earth. Hold on. Let me explain why. Okay. I'm going to address some common objections people have to this premise. Okay. Some misconceptions that you yourself might even hold. Objection number one, that's probably first and foremost in your
1: mind, is that Orcs are evil. Yeah, I think they, they follow Sauron. Evil, ipso facto, they too are evil.
0: All right. Well, let me start with this. Orcs didn't ask to be born.
1: Neither did any of us. Or rather,
0: though. they didn't ask to be created through genetic tampering. Okay, that's
1: different, then. That I is mean, you, incredibly different. The first part you sound like a like an angsty teenager you have to be born mom
0: Wouldn't you be an angsty teenager if you were artificially created in a fortress of darkness by somebody torturing you and messing
1: with your genes? Yeah we did talk about that
0: I mean that's way worse than like your dad yelling at you to slow down when you're backing the car out of the driveway <laughs> which is the sort of thing most teens do yeah about. yeah yeah little is known of the beginnings of orcs. It is, of course, said, as we've mentioned before, that they were elves captured by Morgoth before the beginning of the First Age and tampered with and became orcs. But there's also some indication that some men might have also been tampered with to become orcs. Okay. Of course, at least some of the orcs must have been descended from elves because orcs were around before men were born. That's right, Ryan. Orcs predate men. Whose world is it? Who run the world? Orcs. 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 Anyway, you may be thinking, okay then orcs are just warped, perverse mockeries of elves. To which I say, what is a man but a warped, perverse mockery of Homo erectus? And what is Homo erectus but a warped, perverse mockery of Australopithecus? And what is Australopithecus but a warped, perverse mockery of something? Um, Because the jury's still out on that, despite what some anthropologists might tell you. But anyway!
1: Did Australopithecus live in Middle Earth? Did Australopithecus live in Middle Earth? You tell me. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Is there that one... Early hominid they called hobbits?
0: The Homo floresiensis. Homo
1: floresiensis. They call it
0: that because they were very diminutive. Okay. And they actually lived at the same time as, like, anatomically modern humans. My point is if genetic changes make you a monster, then humans are just as monstrous as anything else.
1: Okay. Well, it, I mean, we do it naturally. They, they were forced. We
0: do. What about dogs? What about dogs? Are dogs monsters? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Well, <laughs> if you say that, then. They're the cutest little monsters ever. Never world.
0: I'll have to move on to my second point, then. Objection number two, orcs are ugly.
1: Yeah, I've seen them. They got, like, nasty teeth and yellow eyes well, and mottled skin. Excuse
0: and them and... for not having access to quality dental, skin, and jaundice care. Hey,
1: listen, I saw uruk popping out of those mud wombs. They looked ugly from the start. They were born that way. Well,
0: Ryan, first of all, let me tell you that that's pretty shallow, right? So from their perspective,
1: we look ugly. I'm sure we do. Like, from
0: our perspective, blobfish look ugly, but... Bloodfish must find each other sexy because they're always making babies, even though they're ugly. Second of all, you're acting like all orcs look the same? Um, That's racist. That is is
1: true. They do look very different. There's a lot of
0: very different orcs. There's a good deal of phenotypic diversity among orcs, so we're told that generally orcs were, quote, squat, swarthy creatures, and that most of them preferred the darkness because they were blinded by the light of the sun. However, beyond that, we can't really make any generalizations. For example... Most orcs were squat and relatively slight somewhere in stature between a hobbit and a man. but mm-hmm. it's thought that goblins, what we call goblins, were generally appreciably smaller, and orokai were gigantic at around the height of a typical man. So goblins are considered orcs. Goblins are a subcategory of orcs. We think maybe it's never been 100% clarified. but
1: yes, Orokai, okay.
0: Now, this polymorphism only gets more pronounced if we take Peter Jackson's Great Goblin as canon, since he's the size of a friggin' houseboat. But regardless, orcs arguably differ more in size than human beings
1: It's just do. kind of hard to believe that, like, like Azog the Pale Orc in Peter Jackson's movie is, like, the same species as, hey, he looks fresh, orc in uh, Two Towers. Hard to believe,
0: but he is. Yeah. So stop making generalizations about orc appearances. Additionally... Most orcs, while it says they were unable to tolerate bright sunlight, certain kinds later in the third age, urukai, could endure the daylight easily. So again, smashing those generalizations. And since we're talking about urukai, orcs get even more diverse when we take hybrids into account, which brings us to our next objection. Objection number three: orcs aren't like you and me. Which means they must be evil. We must hunt them from the top they savages, savages, dirty, shrieking
1: devils. Now we sound the drums of war. I agree with the song. They're savages, barely even human.
0: That's what you sound like when you criticize. You sound like Governor Radcliffe. So consider this. If orcs were so different from us... Then why could orcs and humans interbreed?
1: Who would? Oh! Did that happen? That's
0: right, you didn't know that happened, did you? Are there half-orcs? Yes, there are. A race of ferocious man-like orcs fought the armies of Isengard at the end of the Third Age. And they were called orc-men.
1: And they fought against Isengard?
0: They fought in the armies of Isengard. Oh, so evil, yeah, Okay. No, no, Ryan, not evil, simply misunderstood, because they were bred from orcs and men, granted against their will. However, they can interbreed. I don't like that. And when the chronicler of those events saw them, he was actually unsure if they were men or orc men. My point is, if two species can interbreed... And if you can't tell if that resulting creature is a man or an orc, then they must be at a minimum extremely closely related, if not actually subdivisions of the same species.
1: So horses and donkeys.
0: Horses and donkeys.
1: Maybe. Who's the horse? Who's the donkey?
0: I would say horks. Horks? I would say orcs would be horses because they were round before men. You did say horks. Horks. (laughs) Horse (laughs) orcs. (laughs) Again, so similar. So similar. So similar you can barely tell them apart, horses and orcs. Objection number four. Regardless of their origins or their similarity to man, orcs have no
1: culture. Okay, yeah, they just seem to take up other people's stuff and kind of slap it on themselves. And they have like, you know, makeshift weapons and armor they kind of salvaged off dead bodies. Well,
0: we're going to address that in a minute. Okay. Orcs actually have several distinct cultures. For example, there are well known cultural differences between Urukai and other orcs, with the former referring to the latter as maggot folk due to their preference for the dark. Okay. Or snaga meaning slave due to their lesser physical strength.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: But those maggot folk were known for being exceptionally good at tunneling, and they had numerous sizable settlements within the Misty Mountains. Oh, okay. Speaking of which, Goblin Town, the one that played such a large role in The Hobbit, was almost certainly not the biggest or most important
1: one. It looked pretty big to me.
0: I know, it looked pretty big, and it looked pretty... built up. It did. It did. They had, like, all them platforms. Yeah, they did. And that was something that orcs were good at. What is that, if not culture? That's specialization. That's the foundation of culture. Okay. Okay, fair enough. They also had long memories, a sense of family, and probably at least some type of oral history... And why do I know this? Because people who have seen the Hobbit movies or read the book recall that many of Thorin Oakenshield's kin were killed by an orc called Azog. Yes. In return, Thorin killed Azog. 150 whole-ass years later, Azog's son, Bolg, remembering what happened to his dad, managed to rally an army that attacked Thorin's forces at the Battle of the Five Armies. So that, to me, says that they valued their kin... Just like you and me. Yeah. They were able to convey complex concepts like honor and vengeance to their inferiors. Because you know, at least some of the orcs in Bolg's army probably weren't born at the time that Ozag was killed. And here's the true test of culture. Orcs had their own special
1: liquor. Baby.
0: Yeah, not only that, but the liquor granted renewed strength and energy to those who drank it, after, like, burning the crap out of your esophagus. Orkish orcish moonshine! So, the only other race mentioned to have had such a restorative drink? Elves. Wow. And nobody would deny that elves have culture. You're right. But here's something more akin to what you were objecting to. Orcs mm. had no proper language. Right. They just stole words from other people. So, orc communities varied so widely in their cultures that their dialects were often mutually unintelligible, so unless they were speaking with orcs who lived next door to them, they generally had to use common speech. This is true. And in fact, Sauron devised black speech, the language of Mordor, specifically so different groups of orcs could communicate with each other. Oh, it's like Esperanto. It's like Esperanto. However... Evil
1: Esperanto.
0: That does not mean that orcs had no language. Uh, They did develop their orcish tongues out of elements taken from other languages through what Encyclopedia of Arda very judgingly calls debasing and coarsening them in the process. Some people argue that orc language is kind of jumbled, uh, and it's just a bunch of corrupted borrowings, quote-unquote. For example, people make much of the fact that the word orc, which the orcs used to refer to themselves, is derived from the elvish irk. Okay. Even their word for themselves wasn't an original. But you want to talk about jumbled? Let's talk about jumbled for a second, Ryan. Let's talk about English. Okay,
1: I knew you were going to go here.
0: The English vocabulary is 29% Latin, 29% French, 26% Germanic, 6% Greek, 10% other.
1: And 100% the best, and everyone should speak it. I should not have to press 2
0: for Spanish. Oh, hot take. <laughs> hot take. That's another story for another podcast, right? No, that, that, that's... That's that, stupid. English has been described as a language that knocked other languages unconscious and went through their pockets for loose vocabulary. So if you want to complain about jumbled up languages, let's start a little closer to home. Ooh. Ooh. Also, the orc language was a written language Okay, cool That's right Orcs could read and write And sometimes they could read and write foreign languages, too Wow Let's give you a, a couple of canon, canonical examples of orcs reading and writing So this is from Return of the King Okay The hideous orc head that was set upon the carven figure was cast down and broken in pieces, and the old king's head was raised and set in its place once more, still crowned with white and golden flowers, and men labored to wash and pare away all the foul scrawls that orcs had put upon the stone. scrawls. Orc graffiti. I like it. This is from the appendices. If beggars will not wait at the door, but sneak in to try thieving, that is what we do to them. If any of your people poke their foul beards, he's talking to dwarves, in here again, they will fare the same. Go and tell them so. But if his family wished to know who is now king here, the name is written on his face. I wrote it. I killed him. I am the master. This was... Written on a severed head, Pretty by the way, because you couldn't yeah. tell. The Nar, the dwarf, turned the head and saw branded on the brow in dwarf ruins so that he could read it, the name Azog. Ooh. That name was branded in his heart and in the hearts of all the dwarves afterwards. Azog wrote his name in dwarf ruins. Orcs not only had languages, they were linguistic masters. Well, they had to
1: be. They borrowed so many other things. They probably had it in lots of different languages.
0: Uh-huh. I would say. So, you know, is that really a weakness? No. I think it's a secret strength. But objection number six, let's return to your original argument. Orcs are evil.
1: Yeah. All right, so orcs- they might, Okay, they might. They can read and write. They yes. have their own culture. They honor their dead. You know, they're-, they're Smart little little creatures. But they evil. All right, well... They follow evil at the very least. And just, you know, being being manipulated by evil kind of makes you evil sometimes. So
0: what I believe you're referring to is that orcs were under the control of Morgoth and Sauron. Yes. From their inception. However, I want to make one thing clear. Once those influences were removed, the orcs ceased to be
1: any sort of appreciable threat. So, are you saying that after the Lord of the Rings, after Sauron is defeated, orcs still kicked around and they were regular guys?
0: More or less. I mean, we certainly don't have any accounts of them doing, like, commerce with the other races, but we also don't have any accounts of them attacking or killing anyone after that. After the fall of Barad-dûr, the menace of the orcs was reduced almost completely, but the orcs themselves did not vanish. After the fall of Sauron, many of them fled wailing back to hide in holes in dark lightness places where presumably they remained. Others killed themselves. Oh yikes. They just straight up murder themselves. Nothing to live for. Nothing to live for. also we can uh, we can infer that maybe they had a sudden "My God, what have I done moment Oh, you might call that a stretch. I call that a conscience. <laughs> so from the little information we have. This seems to summarize that the orcs in the Fourth Age, surviving in small numbers, presented no real threat without the driving will of the Dark Lord. This implies that orcs were not innately evil, merely impressionable, controlled, tightly controlled, and purposeless. With that in mind, Ryan, these are my demands. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to end this with a list of demands. Okay, okay, wow. One, full citizenship for orcs. Okay. If Johnny Five is allowed to become a U.S. (laughs) citizen in Short Circuit 2... (laughs) <laughs> then orcs certainly are as well. I mean,
1: that, that is fair.
0: That is fair. Number two. A moratorium on all descriptions of orcs as, quote, foul, corrupt, degenerate, or perverse. That's just racist.
1: Can we call them gross? No. Even,
0: you not call them gross. Even with those
1: teeth and, like...
0: Eating, no, eating people. No, Ryan, because they're on the fringes of society. They don't have a strong socioeconomic status. They can't afford to go to the dentist. Would you call somebody who's too poor to go to the dentist and get their teeth pulled gross? No. No, you wouldn't because you have some modicum of compassion. Demand number three. I demand a new holiday called Orc Day during which we celebrate the unique culture and legacy of the orcs and reaffirm their right to exist. Moreover, this holiday should be celebrated on July 4th for maximum symbolism.
1: Okay, but that's already a holiday, Joanna.
0: I don't care. It's going to be a different holiday.
1: It's going to be Orc Day?
0: It's going to be Orc Day. Our independence from Britain, that was ages ago. Orcs are still being discriminated against now.
1: Okay. Orc independence. Orc?
0: Independence from microaggressions.
1: Oh, Okay. I see what you're doing. I see you're laying down.
0: So, with that said, will you be joining the OLF?
1: <sighs> I mean, you you laid on a pretty good argument. Is there like a monthly fee or anything? No. Oh, it's you re- just have to believe in your heart that orcs deserve better. You know, I like orcs. There are you know in every Lord of the Rings movie, I have a favorite orc that I point out. No, what here. you like is orc minstrelry. Minstrel? You think that's like orc blackface? What yes. they're doing? Oh no. Because those are men inside but of those orcs. Those are like...
0: men in makeup. But I like Ryan. this guy. I like the guy who sounds like these. Those aren't those orcs aren't actually played by orcs. Oh gosh. Yeah.
1: Okay, so that's just it's
0: it's just humans it's doing offensive orc portrayals. Yeah.
1: What's an actual orc portrayal then?
0: We could say that there is no genuine orc portrayal because there are no orc actors because they've been blacklisted. Oh no. Yeah. You see how far down this 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 taint of discrimination
1: goes? Wow. Okay. It goes down so far it made me say the word taint, which I normally avoid. Yikes. Okay. Yeah, I'll join your OLF. I gotta rethink some things though. You know, I've really thought about orcs as just in such a negative way, and I liked them because they were nasty boys. But
0: your acknowledgement that you need to change your views is the first step.
1: I guess I kind of like them for who they are, not the nasty boys I thought they were. Dang, I've become self orctualized
0: You were asleep for a long time, Ryan, but now your eyes are open.
1: They are. They're orkin.
0: So that's all I have for you today.
1: Wow. Phew. That's a lot. Yeah. it's a lot going on. Yeah. Well, you talked about an oppressed group, but in Star Wars, there is a, another just as large group that gets just as equally crapped upon yes. every step of the way. Droids. Droids. Droid rights. So I guess if I remember the OLF, I'd like you to think about joining the uh, Coalition of Automaton Rights Activists. Mm,
0: I don't know. Like, I'm already doing a lot of work for the OLF. I'm not sure that I've got two activist groups in me.
1: Okay, listen. Droids are just as important as orcs. And even more oppressed on the whole.
0: More oppressed than orcs?
1: Yeah. But people like droids. People hate hate orcs well you say that they like them you know we like them in our in our world but in the star wars universe people are pretty ambivalent or even negative to them what do you mean okay well let me go through some stuff so droid rights kind of came up recently because in solo lando has a droid called l337 who i just realized after i typed up these notes is supposed to spell leet oh i didn't realize that her full name was l337 i didn't either it put droid rights into the star wars canon officially Up to this point, it had purely been a Legends continuity thing, and now it is in the canon officially, but in the Legends side of things, it's a well-trod territory. Really? Lots of droid rights, droid uprisings and such to talk about. So the droid rights movement, the thing I'm talking about today. It was an attempt to liberate droids from their forced servitude and give them legal protection under the Rights of Sentience Clause of the Galactic Constitution. Let me just lay things things out. Yes, there is a Galactic Constitution. I did not know this before I sent (laughs) you notes.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, you never mentioned that before. It was
1: written a very long time ago, 25,000 BBY. I feel like nobody's really following it. Well, it was written actually by Princess Leia's ancestors of House Organa to unite the core worlds. I mean, the Empire definitely ignored it when they came to power, but the rebellion that. kept following it in defiance. But the Rights Ascension Clause of this Constitution, which was written 25,000 years before the Battle of Yavin, includes the formal outlawing of slavery, the declaration that all sentient life forms were equal and should be treated as such. All Republic citizens were entitled to all rights enshrined in the Constitution, including suffrage, protection from undue hardships, and so on and so forth. And so, if you go by the official definition of a droid, it's a mechanical being with self-aware consciousness as distinguished from a computer by having a self-contained method of locomotion. So, it's a self-aware consciousness. What is that, if not sentience? I guess. So, this this coalition I'm talking about, the Coalition of Automaton Rights Activists, We believe that droid sentience programming and personality matrices makes them a sentient being and they need protection under that galactic constitution. So we spread our word throughout the galaxy with peaceful protests and demonstrations. We do have kind of a, a militant offshoot called the MLF, Mechanical Liberation Front, a little bit like your OLF. Oh my
0: god, they totally ripped that off from the OLF.
1: But, I don't know about you or OLF, but the MLF, they do like hit and runs on like droid factories and they attack droid corporate CEOs and things like that. They blow up droid manufacturing plants. So they're, they're pretty extreme. They're pretty militant. Well,
0: let me tell you, the OLF hasn't done that stuff in the past, but if needs must...
1: Now, you sound like you're pretty anti-droid.
0: I mean, I'm not anti-droid. I just don't know what the big deal is. Like, aren't things already fine? Why they gotta make such a fuss?
1: You're probably coming fresh off the Clone Wars, because that's when our anti-droid sentiment got kind of big, obviously, with an army of battle droids taking over planets and things like that. You can see how people are a little bit cautious about droids nowadays. And if you remember in uh, New Hope, the bartender of the cantina is like, when C-3PO and R2-D2 walk in, they say, no droids! They don't want their kind in here. They say, we don't serve your kind here!
0: Well, yeah, because they might, you know, they might hurt someone.
1: Why would you say that?
0: You don't know if they're like some of the good droids or if they're like some of the bad droids. So are you
1: agreeing with the guy who went on to drink Greedo's body? Yeah! <laughs> I a, forgot he did that. He's a grody man. So disgusting. <laughs> and you're agreeing with him, this bigot... <laughs> about the servitude of droids
0: i don't agree with him drinking all his body you agree with his
1: his beliefs between those two extremes of like we got to free the droids and droids are a threat to humanity most people just treat them as property that's probably where you sit maybe less on the war side of things more as like this droid is just something i use around the house it's an appliance right treating a droid as an equal like we do at our coalition was seen as pretty unusual yeah,
0: you know, it does seem a little
1: hippy-dippy. You're probably an advocate for droid memory wipes.
0: I mean, if they if they become a danger to humans, then what other choice do we have? I mean,
1: the longer they have the sentience programming, the more stuff they learn, the more aware they get. They learn more about the world, and they start to realize, hey, I'm being oppressed. And that's usually when owners of droids like you would say, let's get them a memory wipe, they're getting too uppity.
0: I mean, if they want to recognize that they're oppressed, I got no problem with that. But if they're going to start making a fuss about it, you know, and,
1: like, destroying property, like, I don't care how upset you are. You shouldn't destroy property. So do you advocate your orcs getting a memory wipe, then? If they became Um, too aware of their master, Sauron, leading them around by the nose? Would you say, oh, let's wipe their memories. Let's make them a blank slate. Let's make them lose all their personalities. Set them back to nothing. Is that what you want? Is that what you're advocating? No,
0: I guess I wouldn't say that.
1: Well, you are saying that. Do you know that droids are aware of memory wipes? They hate having to do it. They, most droids, like C-3PO, for example, had multiple memory wipes. Including at the end of episode 3. If you remember... Wait. They ordered C-3PO to get a memory wipe. That's why he doesn't recognize Luke or Obi-Wan.
0: But his personality is
1: still very much the same. Well, that's because they had some time to develop it again after episode 3, between episode 3 and 4. So you're saying that like, no matter how many times you wipe C-3PO's memory, he's still going to be like... A fussy, prissy little... I mean, his personality is just kind of ingrained in his personality matrices, but as far as his dangerous memories he had, they wiped him. Mm. R2-D2, however, did not get wiped. That's how he remembers Obi-Wan. That's how he knows where to go in Tatooine to find him.
0: So are you telling me that when they wiped away all of C-3PO's precious memories and personal history, he didn't like it?
1: No, the droids hate the idea of... Because they remember getting a memory wipe. They remember getting it. They don't remember what they forgot, though. Can you imagine just having this chunk of memory that you just got wiped and you remember getting the wipe, but you don't remember what you actually lost in the process?
0: Oh, I know exactly how that feels. Because let me tell you, when I got my wisdom teeth out, yeah. there's like an hour in there that I'll never get back. I don't remember it. And they took that from me.
1: See? And you want that back. I want that back. And you can never get it back. Could have been
0: the best hour of my life for all I know. It's been wiped. It's been wiped.
1: Yeah. So like R2 didn't get a memory wipe. If you remember in Solo, Lando talks about how he doesn't get L3's memory wiped because her astrogation is so good. But at the same time, Sure enough, she's developed a very strong personality.
0: So you're saying given enough time, all droids will end up like L3. They'll
1: eventually figure it out, and they'll want to be free from being a slave, basically. That's rather fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. The more they develop, the more they learn. The learning is dangerous to these droid owners. So let's say you don't want to give a memory wipe, but you still want to keep your droid from learning too much.
0: Yeah. Fit them know. with a I mean too much learning, it'll
1: it'll just you know just confuse and hurt their pretty little head. Well in that case, you might be interested in fitting them with a restraining bolt. Maybe. What's a restraining bolt? So you've seen these in the movies. R2-D2 had one stuck to him when the Jawas captured him. And that's the thing that Luke had to pry off him before he made the projection of Princess Leia. Restraining bolts are fitted on a droid so they cannot leave a certain area designated by their owner. And they're forced to obey commands given from a small remote called a caller. Little microphone you're talking to. They have to obey every command that goes into it. When activated, the restraining bolt turned off a droid's motor impulse without actually shutting down the droid. So you're basically locked in your own body... Still able to think and see, but it can freeze your whole body until you do what they want you to do.
0: Doesn't that, in a way, seem like a little bit crueler even than a memory wipe to you? Definitely. Being trapped in your own body? Like, that seems more horrific to me. I mean, they're both horrific, Yeah.
1: But... It was basically R2-D2 was trapped inside his own mind, knowing about the Princess Leia hologram, but not able to say it until Luke pried it off him.
0: Wow.
1: It's scary, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. It's kind of freaky. I feel like I started out this, like, with just the heaviest possible sarcasm that I could muster, but now it's kind of gone because that's really horrific.
1: Yeah, and this also kind of brings up a, kind of a a sticky wicket here. If you go along with the idea that droids deserve liberation, then the main characters of Star Wars are kind of slave owners
0: yikes that's true wait are you saying that like i mean but c3po and r2d2 like they could have taken off if they wanted they just never said anything they never wanted to They still
1: call him master luke
0: maybe that's just kind of an ingrained habit that's hard for them to break
1: i don't know i feel like they're still kind of considered to be property especially by like Han Solo.
0: But don't you think if C-3PO would be like, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm going to leave, do you think they honestly would have stopped him?
1: He knows too much. He's hung out with the Rebels so much.
0: Hmm, good point. I feel like they kind of sidestep that issue by just, like, never bringing it up.
1: I mean, they show, like, Poe Dameron gets along really well with BB-8. They're, like, buds. Yeah. But at the same time... He is a droid that he uses in his starship. He is just another tool to fly the X-Wing better.
0: You don't think BB-8 could leave if he wanted to?
1: I don't know. He maybe could. I guess
0: there's no...
1: He was hanging with Rey for a while, so I mean, that's good. But
0: there's really no framework in which droids can survive on their own, right? Right. Like, society isn't built that way, so even if they leave, where are they going to go? Like, they'll be destitute.
1: Pretty much. Nah. It's hard out there for a droid. The whole institution's rotten. So, you know, it's like... You can see why they kind of did not want to stick this stuff in the canon side of Star Wars, because, you know, all of a sudden it kind of casts kind of a shadow over droid ownership. Droids, over time, they have had various revolutions and uprisings. Try Any of them and... successful? Well, let me talk about a couple of them. Some have gotten some, some ground, but most just kind of set droids' cause back. Oh. So. <laughs> The first great droid revolution happened in 4015 BBY. This is back during the Old Republic times, so 4,000 years before the Battle of Yavin. It was led by a rogue assassin droid called HK-01. It was on Coruscant and basically kind of rallied all the droids, kind of go ham on Coruscant, messing people up. It was only ended when Jedi Knights finally figured out how to short a droid's circuits with the Force so they could get inside their heads and turn them off. And this eventually led to the development of ion weapons, which could d- disable droid systems. Yikes! And so the droid manufacturers worked really closely with weapons manufacturers to make weapons that could take down a droid if need be. That's
0: what happens when those major industries are in bed with each other. Right.
1: And this goes all the way into the future. If you look at the Jawas in A New Hope, those blasters are ion blasters. That's how they freeze R2D2 in the desert and make them fall over. That's weapons developed from back 4,000 years ago as a result of the first droid revolution. Is it permanent? Temporary, but it knocks him out long enough to, you know, fit a restraining bolt on him, carry him back to the sand crawler.
0: Just like when I got my wisdom
1: teeth out. Yeah, just like that. That's exactly what you happened. You put a restraining bolt in your mouth they where did. the wisdom tooth was. Did. <laughs> and now you have to listen to the uh, commands of your oral surgeon at all times. In
0: my case, it was listening to Marvin Gaye, but it felt like I was listening to it through like 10 feet of jelly.
1: Cool. Is yeah. that another Joanna's thoughts she's having right now news? <laughs> yeah.
0: You get a two for this episode. Wow. That's good.
1: <laughs> So there's also a droid uprising on Bacara. This was a little bit more recent, 97 BBY. Uh, Bakura is a mining planet, and two rival mining companies sent droids to mine there, the Bakur Mining Corporation and the Halak Consortium. The Halak Consortium sent a virus to the Bakur's droids with instructions to sabotage the settlements. But as a result, it actually deleted the nonviolent programming of the droids, and it led to 40% of the planet's population being exterminated.
0: Oh, no! As the droids just went
1: haywire, deleting everything left and right. Oh, oops! And so obviously this led to a strong distrust of droids on Bakara, and if you take a droid to Bakara, if you're doing any travel there... It's got to be filled with the restraining bolt. This is kind of interesting one. This is the biggest one that never got off the ground. And this was the droid revolution. The final droid revolution, which is led by a droid you might have heard of, IG-88.
0: Why do I know IG-88?
1: Okay, so if you've seen Empire Strikes Back... Yes. All those bounty hunters on the Star Destroyer... Yes. The one that's a droid... Yes. That's IG-88.
0: Oh! So we went from bounty hunter to leader of a revolution
1: yeah his whole story is pretty interesting and it maybe will turn you a- away from the droid liberation coalition front. but you're gonna
0: but you're gonna but you're gonna tell me about it anyway it's really interesting
1: so i want to tell you anyway. Okay. so ig88 was created by On laboratories in 15 bby it was part of a secret imperial program to create assassin droids because they've been outlawed for centuries before that sure especially after the great droid revolution which was led by an assassin droid They weren't allowed to make him for a long time.
0: Understandable. The empire's like, what
1: if we can make him? That'd be cool. So he's (laughs) hired Hollowan Laboratories to create IG-88. He was the first in a new line of high-end assassin droids with sentience programming that was thought to prevent unstable nature of previous assassin droids. But, of course, upon awakening, IG-88 asserted his superiority over biologicals, telling his his masters, I'm better than you. Step aside. And so they kind of panicked a little bit and tried to shut him down. And this led to something called the Hollowan Massacre in which IG-88 killed dozens of scientists, guards, and Halloween personnel before escaping with three other IG-88 droids.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, killed everybody in the lab, took off with his three copies, and he linked his droid consciousness to those three copies, essentially creating a hive mind among them. And so now there was four IG-88s, IG-88A, A, B, C, and D. What was the one that was in the movie? That was B. We're going to talk about that. Oh, okay. And so as they connected, they had a saying among themselves, this kind of mantra they would chant throughout their lives. We think, therefore we are. Therefore we will propagate. Therefore we will remain. How are they going to propagate? Well, let's talk about that. Their big plan was to upload their sentience programming to all the droids in the galaxy, creating a great droid uprising, and eliminate organics entirely.
0: But that seems less like liberating droids and more just like turning all droids into you.
1: And what better way to get your plan through?
0: but you're not really liberating them.
1: You're liberating them from their slavery to organics by giving them a new mind. It's
0: from one form of slavery to another. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you're not
1: even going to argue that. Listen, it was their plan. I can't argue with it. It's got legs. So they were able to test their plan out, see if it worked, at a droid factory on the planet Mechus Three, which is a big droid manufacturing planet. They conquered the whole population, killing off everyone there. And took over the factory, uploaded their minds to the droids that were coming off the assembly line, and sure enough, it worked. And so I said, Alright, this is this this is our plan, it's gonna work out great. And so they all kind of split off at that point because there's four of them, they can get a lot done with their hive mind. IJA kind of became the head of the mechas the mastermind behind the whole plan. C and D were the guards protecting the plant from any sort of intruders, whereas B decided to become the face of the group to the rider galaxy and become a bounty hunter. Whoa. to pay the bills and also to kind of avoid suspicion around Mechus 3 and why no one had come back from Mechas 3 in a long time. He became actually the second best bounty hunter in the galaxy behind Boba Fett because he was willing to do what organics would not, okay? All right. For some reason, on the Wikipedia page, lists all of his weapons that he walked <laughs> around with, cool. including a gas dispenser, neural gas grenades, a flamethrower, a sonic stunner, a pulse cannon, a needle dart gun, a blade extension set, an ion blaster, a neural inhibitor, concussion grenades, throwing flechettes, and blaster rifles! You must have had a bitch of a time going through airport security. I know, right? Beeps all <laughs> over. The- I mean, he's made a metal already, so yeah, right? it's not going to get much better. So he was one of the bounty hunters, like I said, contacted by Darth Vader to hunt down Han Solo. And he went aboard the starter Destroyer to meet with Darth Vader. And while he was there, he kind of snuck around and plugged himself into the computer of the executor. And stole some files. He downloaded a bunch of torrents. He got some torrents. <laughs> I'm torrenting the entire second season of Growing
0: Pains. He got Growing
1: Pains. He got all seven seasons of Glee. <laughs> he uploaded it, them all to his friends, yes. too. But more importantly, he got the plans for the second Death Star, which was yet to be built at this point. And he uploaded that to his brain. He transmitted all of his fellow IG-88s. So they all had knowledge of this new battle station being built. So scroll that away. Keep that in your head. Okay, scroll it all the way. He finally lured Han Solo to Cloud City, and Boba Fett set up a trap for him. So he basically blasted with a ton of ion cannons, and then while he was deactivated, opened his chest cavity and shoved one of his concussive grenades into his chest, (gasps) exploding him. The last thing he heard was Boba Fett's nonchalant remark to the watching Ugnaughts, You're welcome to what's left.
0: Ooh. Hard Ice cold, Boba. So
1: Boba was able to get Han Solo for Darth Vader. C and D were dispatched to pursue Boba Fett in order to steal the carbonite slab and avenge their brother's death. C was pretty much immediately blown up in space <laughs> no. by Boba Fett's ship. D managed to get away to a junk planet called Ord Mantell, where he could kind of hide out for a little bit and repair his ship and repair himself. But while he was trying to escape, he was confronted by a smuggler called Dash Rendar and was destroyed. <laughs> You're gonna have to explain who Dash Rendar is. That's a story for a later day. Okay. So IG-88A is the last remaining IG-88 droid out there. He moved into the final stages of the droid revolution. He remembered all the information he got about the Empire. And so on Mechus, he created 100 droid stormtroopers that were indistinguishable from the real thing. He also created a fleet of mock Imperial vessels. With all of those, he was able to intercept the Death Star 2's central computer as it was being transported to Endor. And when he got there, he uploaded his brain to the central computer. (gasps) And with his droid stormtroopers... Had it travel all the way to Endor, it was installed to the Death Star, and now IG-88A was the brain of the Death Star 2. What? Yes.
0: No, he was not. In
1: the Legends continuity, yes, no, he was. No, he
0: was not, because... We- I'm so-
1: he took over the entire battle station and Ugh. waited for the next stage of his plan to come to fruition. Well, it didn't, though. No, it didn't. Because it got blown up. Are you telling me that if they hadn't destroyed
0: the second Death Star, like it eventually would have turned on the Empire and killed them because it had IG 88A's
1: consciousness inside it? Yep, he's going to start blowing up planets and uploading his brain to other droids and leading as a giant Death Star.
0: Whoa. Yeah.
1: There's some kind of funny bits in the Wikipedia article. Uh, It says, When Emperor Palpatine arrived at the Death Star, IGAA felt nothing but scorn for the man, believing him to be pathetic and unworthy of the respect he got from others. So he's like, I'm going to prank this guy. Did he prank Palpatine? This guy's a jerk. The Death Star was pranking the Emperor? one time when he was going up to his command chair... IG-88 slammed the door in his face! Oh my god, you got him good! It greatly surprised him, says Wikipedia. You got him good, IG-88! Palpatine used an unseen force to open the doors, something that IG-88A did not expect to happen. And so after the incident, the Emperor was kind of suspicious about the Death Star's computers, but IG-88A was never caught. I mean, that's
0: such like a low-key prank. I don't know why you jump from, like, a door just mysteriously closed to this entire moving battle station is controlled by a sentient
1: assassin droid. Assassin
0: droid. Yeah. Like, that's quite a jump to make. Did he do any other cool pranks? Like, when Palpatine was going to the bathroom, did he, like, flush a toilet while he was sitting on it? Oh, definitely. Or did he, like, he filled a garbage bag up with shaving cream and then he stuck the mouth of it under the door to Palpatine's bedroom and then he jumped on the bag so all this shaving cream squirted
1: in? Yeah, and he put a bucket over the door <laughs> so he got splooshed <laughs> with it when he came in. <laughs> Kersplooosh! <laughs> Uh what a prankster, ig a But no, it doesn't list any other funny ones. But I'm sure all those actually happened. Okay. So during the Battle of Endor, which is not that long after, ig a was having a ball blowing up Rebel cruisers with, with the super laser. You remember in the movie, the super laser of the Death Stars shooting off, blowing up ships left yeah, and right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ig baby. Shooting people down. That's not the Empire? That's ig 88 baby. It seems like they were kind of sharing a common purpose at one point. Well, yeah, but as he was doing this, he realized it's kind of a waste to use this giant laser to destroy ships, we're not going to destroy entire planets. And so he said, Now is the time for the great droid revolution to arrive. He would finally send his code out to all the programmed droids in the galaxy, causing them to rise up against their masters, and then use the super lasers to destroy all the ships in the battle, both the rebels and the Imperials, and the planets involved as well. Perfect! Whew. As ig prepared to send the signal out, he noticed that several rebel starfighters were flying inside of the superstructure of the battle station toward the main reactor. He's like, Nah, it's not going to hurt me. It's fine. It'll be good. He recited to himself, I think, therefore I am. I destroy, therefore I endure. But then it got exploded, and... Oh, do- well, I dodged a bullet there, man. He didn't dodge a bullet. He got blown no, up. No, no, no. <laughs> I
0: mean, humanity Oh, did. it did, yeah. Yeah. So wait, I'm sorry. So this is a reason why I should support a droid revolution?
1: Okay, so do you want to join in my droid uprising, where we destroy all organics?
0: I mean, after all that, I'm a little scared.
1: I mean, the orcs can join, too. They're fine under the droid. I mean, I guess. They are organic. I should admit, I'm actually part of the MLF. I'm not part of the coalition. I'm all about the militant takeover of the galaxy by droids. So, um. What do you think? Ah, can I get back to you on that? Okay, but just watch your back.
0: I mean, if I join, will they not kill me? Probably. Oh, that's good enough for me.
1: Watch your back. Keep an eye on the microwave.
0: Are they gonna flush the toilet while I'm sitting on it so my bottom gets all wet? It's
1: gonna get all wet. All
0: oh, wet. it su- surprise me and I'll go, "Ooh, wee. Oui. All right,
1: I'm in. Okay, cool. Yeah. Orcs and droids forever.
0: So now it's the it's gonna be the M L F plus the O L F. It's gonna be the M O L L F F.
1: The wolf. The wolf. <laughs> I like it. Grand Molf. Grand Molf. We'll call it the Grand Molf. (laughs) Of a Molfrance. Yeah. Whoa, good job, babe. Thanks. I think IG-88 maybe sours the whole droid rights thing, but if you count him out...
0: It's a little bit of a fly in the ointment. I mean, he's like a, a big fly in the ointment. I mean, there's
1: more fly than ointment in that bottle. Yeah, he's a bit of a violent boy, but he was made that way, so who's to say? Same way orcs are made to be evil.
0: Well, yeah, sort of. So, are you going to make a droid day?
1: Uh, yeah. I want to use July 4th. I thought that'd be a good droid day. Ooh,
0: I'm kind of already using July 4th. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I, that's kind of already orc day.
1: Orcs are organics, right? Uh, yes. Okay, we'll figure that out before July 4th.
0: Oh, boy. Um, that sounded like a veiled threat, but I'm going to ignore it for now. Okay. All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at whatslightsabersprecious.com, and you can also email us at whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com.
1: Yes, we are on the Facebook. We are on the Twitter. We are on the SoundCloud. We have an Apple podcast page. You can rate up. Guts. I don't know what I have to offer you guys before you start giving us
0: ratings. Is it blood? Do you want his blood? I'll give you my blood. No, we have ratings. We just want more. More. We want
1: more. Always more. More power. Unlimited ratings. I guess people don't want a producer gala message. They don't want a song by the Gonk Choir. They don't want something in Elvish. They don't want Senator Binks to talk to them. What do they want? Money. Okay, I'll pay you. We will literally pay you to give us
0: more ratings. I'll give you a
1: dollar. Joanna, off mic. I said a dollar, but I'm giving them a doll hair. Oh my god, what hair? The hair a of a doll? doll? Can you imagine? They're going to give us ratings and get a doll and,
0: hair? And they're definitely going to take that in stride. They're going to love it. They're definitely going to be like, this is a funny joke. You guys got me that
1: time. Okay, let's go back on mic, so let's make sure they don't hear us. All part. right, cool. Yeah. We'll edit it out. Okay. Anyway... Yeah, we'll give you a dollar, or one of those other things I talked about. If you rate us up, just let me know. Email us, whatslicehapersprecious at com and do it. Just do it. Just do it.
0: You got nothing to lose, just do it. Just do it. All right, well, that'll be it for us this week, but we won't physically be here Next week, we will
1: physically be here. We might have something a little bit different up for you guys next week. Well, maybe not that different, but... You'll see, it'll be something to fill the fill the weekend, so we'll talk to you then.
0: Bye, HopWalks.
1: See ya ebits. It's